Do your chickens suffer from rusting beak face? Make them peck peck grin when you open your Henny and Roo subscription box together. Henny and Roo is a monthly box put together by chicken keepers for chicken keepers and their flock. Each month, you'll receive products that may not be available at your local feed store. Build your poultry first aid kit, try new treats and coop products to keep your flock healthy and happy. And there are always fun gifts for the humans too. Go to hennyandrew.com and save 10% off your first box using code DRINKANDFARM. As a subscriber, you can also visit the hennyandrew.com shop to purchase select items and save 10% off everything. Henny and Roo, better chicken keeping delivered. Hey, Sam. Hey, Beth. That cork was super hard to get out of there. (laughs) Yeah, it sounded like you struggled a little with that. I did. I almost went, but, you know, people would have probably been weirded out by that. So I didn't. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, ow, my ears. Yeah. (sighs) Uh, So this is the mini-sode. Well, ask Sam and Bev the mini-sode. I felt like we were going down the path of starting this like a regular episode, but I didn't want people to get confused. So I kind of went rogue. Oh, yes. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Good point. <laughs> but now I can ask, you know, what are you drinking? You know, the usual stuff. So I'm drinking a Temperance Beer Company bird song. Oh, that sounds pretty. Oh, yeah, it is. It's super pretty. It's called Farmhouse, or it is a Farmhouse Ale Saison, and it's got a cute little story on the back. Oh, yeah? Yeah. It says, there's a concert in our midst. Look up and soak it in. Listen close, and you just might hear something. With its unique combination of peppery sweetness, refreshing acidity, and hint of farmhouse funk, Birdsong is your patch cable to the live mix in the treehouse. Hmm. I don't know what a patch cable is, but it must have something to do with audio. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea either. <laughs> so what are you drinking over there? So I have, um, from our little field trip to Coop Camp, I have the Abe Martin Peach Chardonnay from Chateau Thomas, Thomas? <laughs> Chateau Thomas Winery. And I just was reading my bottle because it's got a fun story on it too. It says... Chateau Thomas Winery is producing this wine to memorialize the 100-year-old fictional character who roams the streets of Nashville and surrounding Brown County, Indiana. So there's this cute little cartoon on it. So we'll throw that up on the Instagram. Oh, neat. But it's 99% Chardonnay and 1% peach wine. But that peach wine just kicks that Chardonnay's ass and you don't really taste anything too oaky or weird oh nice which is why i think i liked it so much when we were on our little field trip <laughs> yeah and my beer is from our field trip to the naperville ale fest oh, so yeah there you go <laughs> field trip beers <laughs> and wine i like it and welcome to we drink and we farm things the mini zone and this mini-sode, we're not interviewing anybody, but we kind of let you guys 
sit in the interviewer seat and ask us some questions. So we're going to be going through those and we'll ask each other some questions too. Because I mean, even though we've been talking to each other pretty consistently over the past year and a half, we're still always learning things about each other. So I'm sure some new weird stuff will come out today just for your listening pleasure. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, this episode, our drinks were sponsored by one of our uh, Patreon sponsors, which is Christine Sayani at homemade underscore confetti. So cheers, lady. Yes, cheers. All right. So should we get right into it? Yeah, let's do it. So I believe we got this question from the Instagrams because it's an at. (laughs) So uh, at the lady Jules, J-O-U-L-E-S. So you can find her on Instagram. She said and asked, I just got my first shipment of chicks. I have six of them, all different breeds. They're three days old. Do you know how to tell a Sussex from a Wilsummer? And my initial gut check reaction is, nope, I would have to Google it. <laughs> Which is exactly what I did. <laughs> okay. I was going to say, did you know off the top of your head? Because I'd be super impressed. <laughs> no, I mean, all I have are like regular old barnyard uh breeds of chicken so when I saw this I was like I have no idea I'm like let's check the Google (laughs) so what did you find on the Google so the Google says that Sussex have pink legs and well summers have yellow legs so there you go that's cool I the one thing I like and this is not an intentional plug to my pet chicken but when I got in orders from them, they put little leg bands on. So then you can match the leg band to the breed because I ordered like 18 different ones last year. So I would have had a heck of a time trying to Google all that and keep it straight. You just have to take the leg bands off after the first couple of days. Otherwise, it can like cut into their skin as they're growing, you know, but they're handy those first couple of days where you're trying to get to know everybody. So some hatcheries do that sort of thing. Um, but otherwise, yeah, I Google and compare But yeah, great question. I'm glad that we kind of learned something in the process there, too. Yeah, me too. Well, and it's funny. I was thinking about uh, checking chick breeds because I've got those uh, five chickens from the... Is that how many I got? I think I got five. Yeah, I got five. (laughs) Uh, Five chicks from the Coop Dreams flock. Isn't that terrible? I can't even remember how many chicks I'm taking care of right now. Oh, it's chicken math. (laughs) It doesn't really matter at the end of the day. Right. But I have no idea what breeds they are. And when um, Montana, which is at Thimbleworks, came over and I showed her the chick, she was picking them up and she had told me what some of them were because she could tell based by like the feathering Aww. and like the size of their feet and stuff. But I totally forgot I should have taken notes. <laughs> <laughs> Pictures and notes. <laughs> that just means she has to come visit. <laughs> yeah. Now it's a mystery again. <laughs> <laughs> So Tina from Henny and Rue asked us a question in our Facebook group, Mm. and she asked, Sam and Bev, do you consider your chickens to be pets or livestock? Uh, Pets right now because mine are all egg layers, Um, and I get very sad if any of them get hurt or die. Um, Not that I wouldn't if they were livestock. But 
it's definitely a different mindset, pet versus livestock. But what about you, Bev? So I am sort of like a pet slash livestock when it comes to the chickens. Okay. Because <laughs> when I first got them, like, you know, they were totally like 100% pet status. But then as they became the barnyard gangsters that they are... <laughs> They kind of turned into sort of livestock in my head because they were getting so destructive. (laughs) So I let them free range now because I get better eggs and I spend less on feed by free ranging them. Mm -hmm. And so that has changed them over into the livestock mindset because I've had to come to terms with the fact that by free ranging, I'm going to lose some to predators. Right. So... Um, but they're still pets because I go out there and I try to hold them. Most of them run from me now because now they're kind of like feral chickens <laughs> since they free range all the time. <laughs> Jerks. And of course, I like give them treats, grublies, and you know, I'm going to decorate their coop with the cute little star that we got in our Henny and Rue box. So it's definitely like a, a, a both. They're okay. both for me. <laughs> and what do you think about like when you do meat chickens? Do you see those strictly as livestock? Yeah, they're strictly livestock. They are not pets. But we do pick them up and pet them and love on them just because I think that all animals deserve love and a kind hand. Mm-hmm. Um, but they are livestock in my head. Yeah. That's how I'd have to think about it, too. And even, like, outside of my chickens, my ducks, I have so many males right now that I'm starting to consider processing a few of them. My husband's like, just sell them. But somebody else might just eat them. So I'd, you know, rather I ate them if somebody was going to eat them. So I'm feeling a shift in livestock for them, too, because it's coming down to the quality of life of my female ducks because there's too many males and there's way too much duck rape happening. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. So I have to, like, make that shift into livestock and what's best for the group in order to, like, be okay with just eating them so yeah (laughs) so tina also asked us uh do you have a mixed breed flock or just one and i think we kind of spoiled this one already between the both of us in the last one (laughs) we did yeah i have a total mixed breed flock um Mm -hmm. I wish I could tell you what breeds I have, but I can't even remember anymore, and I don't have that many chickens. Um, but all of mine are, uh, like, workhorse breeds. I don't have any of the fun, fancy breeds. Uh, but do. what about you, Sam? I have lots of fun, fancy ones. Um, my fun, fancy ones include, like, Silkies and Polish. Um, and then I also just hatched out a bunch of Silkies and Sizzles. Ooh. So the sizzles are silky and frizzle bantam cochin mixes. And you have like, I think it's like a 50% chance that they'll come out frizzle feathered too. So they're pretty dang cute running around. Although one of them, I'm pretty sure is a rooster because it's already running around like little jackass. And (laughs) it's like little combs really red and it's only a couple weeks old. And I'm like, son of a bitch. Um, But he is gorgeous. (laughs) So I'll have some decisions I have to make. But yeah, so I have all sorts of, like like Bev said, workhorse ones. We have fancy ones. We have barnyard mixes. Like I said before, I have 70 chickens, but it's definitely over 70. So it's hard to keep track. <laughs> yeah, that would make it hard to keep track. Yes. <laughs> 
So this next question is one that I had for Sam. And I said, oh, hey, Sam, did your first round of baby goats go well enough that you want to do it again or make it a regular yearly thing? And if so, would you do anything differently? So yes and yes. Um, (laughs) So but I don't know. My husband might make me pump the brakes a little bit because I ended up keeping everyone. (laughs) So our flock went from like, or our flock, our herd went from like five to ten. Um, so that's the first thing I do differently is like going with a mindset of you're not keeping them all, uh, and, and you're not naming them all because then you get emotionally attached and don't want to get rid of them. Um, so that's part of it. And, uh, another thing I want to do differently is time out the breeding. So, and I think the last full episode, we talked about, uh, the anti-breeding aprons, So part of that is so they can like hang out together until we can get our fencing stuff figured out. Um, Another thing is I want to have a little more control over when they breed um, because Toot, our buck, he broke in and bred the girls um, a couple times last time. And that's how that happened. But this time I want it to be warmer out. Um, I would like to time it so I can milk the milk Maya who's probably going to be the only one I breed next time um and I want to be able to milk her maybe from like eh, like end of July to like February um like non-ale fest time which is kind of funny to time it around that but you if you're gonna do something like that and and not feel the need to milk 24 7 um it's good to think long term what am I doing unless you do have somebody that can come in and in milk by hand. Um, so it's some of those like logistical things, uh, that I would do differently. Everything else. I think I I feel extremely blessed that nothing did go wrong because I see all the time in the goat groups, like something going wrong, it feels like, but that's usually when people ask questions or bring things up is when it goes wrong. So probably more often than not, it goes just fine. (laughs) Um, but yeah, so I think just mostly like the timing thing and the mindset of like offloading, um, males this year, I just, uh, fixed most of them and kept them because they're adorable. And there's something special about like the first births on your farm of a larger animal, like chickens are different in my opinion. Goats, it just feels more real. I guess is the word I'm looking for. <laughs> I don't know how to Well, they take it. up more space. Yeah. Yeah. Because because they take up more space, like they just automatically kind of end up taking up more space in your your day, in your life. And I don't know. And it, like, I don't mean to say that to minimize the impact that chickens have on us because I, I have special chickens as well that take up a lot of space in my heart. But part of it is like they are so loud and (laughs) they can be really pushy so like they make you give them the space that they need because they're goats that's what they do (laughs) yeah that yeah they are next level needy compared to the chickens (laughs) yeah i i would kind of compare the goats to like um how i feel about my dog yes Absolutely. I think I saw an article. I'll have to dig into it a little more. Maybe it can be a future. I can't even um, about how they think goats process information the same way dogs do. And they respond the same way dogs do. 
um, which I know people can train their goats and things like that too. So that might be an interesting thing for us to dig into. But yeah, that level of emotional attachment is definitely there. Like I'd be pretty devastated if anything happened to any of them, just like my dog. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, for sure. And, you know, I was going to tell you too, and this is a good space to tell you this, um, after our episode about the goat aprons, I'm kind of reconsidering going ahead and going out and get a buckling, getting a buckling now mm. because I can control when he breeds the girls with the apron. Yeah, as long as he keeps it on. Yeah, as long as he keeps <laughs> it on. Yeah. And then I can keep him with them until I have time to build another fence. So I don't know. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. kind of chewing that around in the back of my head. But Bev needs goat babies. You know how things go. Yeah. I do. I need goat babies so bad. You do. Okay. And then I have a question for you. Um, What is one animal you do not want on your farm and why? Oh, that's such a hard question because I was born loving like every (laughs) animal out there. Mm -hmm. It's kind of amazing. Living on a farm is something that I pictured like from a very small child it's something I've always wanted to do is just be surrounded by animals so I think an animal that I wouldn't have on my farm though is horses Mm. Mm -hmm. and that's really hard to say because I love horses. Horseback riding was kind of something that got me into loving animals so much. And in fact, when I was younger, like I'd go volunteer at places that were in my area and go like clean out stalls just so that I could have a little bit of saddle time. And I went to like horse camp and all that stuff. So I, as much as I would love to have horses, they're not in my long-term farm plan because I don't have a great use for them Mm. and they require a lot of care and resources like they're not um like the goats mostly just hang out in the pasture and do their thing and I got to trim their hooves and you know like deworm them and vaccinate them and stuff but like horses are um they're more hands-on care Mm than like the goats are or even the donkey like the donkey is way more work than the goats but (laughs) he's less than a horse if that makes any sense he's an (laughs) in-between he's an in-between yeah Yeah, so I think I'm gonna have to say horses which is hard to say because I love them and I really want one but Mm -hmm. yeah those are my reasonings what about you do you have any animals that you wouldn't have on your farm The Damascus goat. Oh, that super ugly goat. See, yeah. I totally have one of no. those. That's a face only God. a mother can love. No. Oh, <laughs> uh, they're so ugly. And I want to say, like, I saw a video of them, and the balls on that thing are just disgusting. Um, <laughs> because clearly, <laughs> when Sam wants to pick animals, it's because of the size of their balls, apparently. Like, too big, too small. <laughs> um, no, it's just I mean, not legit. <laughs> it's not cute. It makes weird ass noises. Like, no, I need my goats to be cute and fuzzy. But, like, I would take pretty much any other animal, including reindeer. So, yeah. Is that way you can start your reindeer yoga farm? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> In all my free time, yeah. Is the Damascus goat that one um, that's super cute as a baby and then is super ugly as an adult? I don't know. Are they cute as a baby? Google Damascus goat baby really quick. Come on, Google. Don't fail me now. Damascus goat baby. 
Oh, they are really cute as a baby. Right? What happens to them? I don't know, but they're the the sweetest baby angels as tiny goat babies. (laughs) What happens to their little, their ears go from like being like freaking Rapunzel to like, I don't even know what this thing is, but oh yeah, the size of the balls on that thing are just, well. (laughs) So I think that the reason why their ears get so short is I think they're docked. Oh. Yeah, we're going to have to um, link a picture to the Damascus goat in the show notes because this is yeah. So <laughs> we'll do weird. one baby and one adult because it's quite striking. Oh, <laughs> God. I'm going to have nightmares now. Okay. Next question. <laughs> okay. So Katie Montgomery from our Facebook group asked two questions, um, and I'll read the first one first. She said, both of y'all, what's the most important thing you've learned since you started farming? So I'll let you go first, Sam. Um, just, okay. So if something goes wrong, it's not necessarily your fault, but it's your responsibility to learn from it. That's like the number one thing that I've learned that I can apply through like all of my life, which feels pretty like deep. (laughs) (laughs) It's super deep, but it's good. Yeah. And I feel like, a lot of people that will probably resonate with them Um, because it's like you only know as much as you know in that moment, right? But then once you do know, you have no excuse not to go forward with that information and share it with other people, um, which is much of the reason why I like this doing this podcast so much. Um, People learn from our mistakes. Um, And you know, going forward, you kind of know better. You know one more thing about how to do this farming thing better. And it's your responsibility to the previous mistake and to yourself to just move forward and just be better. But you shouldn't carry a guilt for not knowing better in the first place necessarily. So, yeah. I like it. So what about you, Bev? So I think the most important thing that I've learned is that Sorry. It's okay. There's just a lot that you can't control. And that can be really hard. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're making me cry. <laughs> I didn't think I would cry answering that question, but um and it it can feel really heavy sometimes, mm-hmm. like knowing that you don't have control, but it's also really helpful to have a community of people that you can talk to about these things because I, I think it, it makes it easier. It makes it easier to know, you know, that you can't control everything. Right. And there's a lot of shit that happens that just isn't your fault. You can you can do everything right exactly by the books and the blogs and the vet and the breeders and it still doesn't go perfectly. Right. So, yeah. Yep. And I think that can also be applied to your whole life too. It's, you know, there are just some things that are not in your control and you might not ever understand why certain things happened the way they did, or you might find out like down the road. Um, Whew, yeah, we both got a little heavy on that one. <laughs> <laughs> this was supposed to be our funny episode. I know. <laughs> Do you want to explain why you got upset about that or you can just cut that question? 
Oh, no. I'll, I'll explain why I got upset about that. It's just because Darby just died yesterday. Yeah. So it's like, you know, it's still just like really raw. Mm-hmm. So... I haven't like I I haven't quite gotten to the point where I can like really talk about it or even think about it that much, but I mean rest assured that like I will get over it and I'm going to get to move forward and I will be a better goatkeeper because of what I experienced. Right. And so once I'm ready to like organize my thoughts and share all of that, I think that there's a lot of I I learned a lot of really great things during it, so I'm really thankful for that experience Mm -hmm. it just you know I think it it punches you in the gut a little more than you think it's going to Mm -hmm. like even someone like me that could clearly like I knew what was wrong and I knew what happened and I knew it wasn't my fault and I knew that there was nothing I could do to prevent it or to keep it from continuing to get worse but even having all of that like intellectual information it still didn't stop the like emotional gut punch right right exactly And that's what makes us human. All right. Let's take this a funny direction. Yes. Okay. (laughs) So Katie Montgomery also asked, uh, so Sam, when are you going to get a donkey? Oh, man. Um, Well, after all of Bev's really fun experiences, um, I think I'm good for now. Um, I actually, like, I think mini donkeys are totes adorbs, um, but... I think if I were to get like a live sc- livestock guardian, it would be a Great Pyrenees doggy. Um, I've been wanting one for probably like almost two years now, almost as soon as we got the goats. Um, <laughs> and I'm just obsessed with the giant polar bears that they are. So I think that's the route I would go. And I just don't have the space for a donkey right now. And if I was going to go bigger space-wise, I think I would go with, like, llamas or alpacas or something like that. But I can't wait to go to Bev's someday and visit her donkey. And then maybe I would change my mind because I'm sure once I meet Herc, I'm going to, like, want to clone him and take one home with me. Well, I don't know if you'll quite want to clone Herc. Herc's kind of a jerk sometimes. (laughs) But we're working on it. You know, he just had his second birthday last week. So he's, you know, he's still kind of a baby and a little mouthy and a little... um, But he was... Super adorable this morning because, of course, I'm spending extra time out there now because it's making me feel a little better. Mm. And also, I want to make sure that everybody else is good. And the only way to do that is to spend time with them and see if anything is wrong. And so I was just like sitting out there early this morning and he was coming up and like nuzzling on me and stuff, which Mm. is the first time he's ever done that. And I was like, oh, you're being sweet. I'm like, maybe you can just tell him a little sad. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely gave all of my goats an extra hug yesterday after you told me what happened. So it does make you feel better just to hang out with them. It totally does. Well, and I was going to tell you, I think you're wise to go with a livestock guardian dog. Like if livestock guardian is really what you're going for. Like I went for donkey because that was what was easier for me at the moment. And plus, I've, you know, I've always really wanted a horse, but donkey mm. was something I could I could justify in my brain instead of horse. <laughs> yeah. So that was why I went with donkey. But like hands down, everyone will tell you a livestock guardian dog is a better guardian than a donkey is. Yeah, just probably, well, adorable in a different way. I was going to say probably not as adorable, but adorable in a different way is probably more accurate. <laughs> adorable in a different way, um, but trainable and they they are just they're they're bred for that purpose whereas donkeys aren't really bred for that purpose so i think they make more sense to go for a dog oh sure 
Okay, so we have a non-farming related question, and I'm super interested to hear what your answer is. Uh, it's from Hannah, so H-A-N-N-A-H-H-H-127 on Instagram. Uh, what's your favorite 80s coming-of-age movie? <laughs> Bev's not really a TV person. I don't know if she's much of a movie person, so I was like, hmm, maybe this will stump her. <laughs> so it actually did stump me and I had to Google 80s coming of age movies. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. To like even check to see if I've seen any of these. <laughs> uh, I mean, so it's funny. My parents must not have been big TV people either. That might be why I'm not such a big TV person. And we never really watched a lot of movies when I was growing up. Uh, but I'm just like kind of flipping through the list and looking at movies that I've seen. And one of the, so, you know, quote unquote, 80s coming of age movies uh, that really resonated with me and that I watched a lot was Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Uh -huh, heck yeah. That's a good one. So that has to be my answer because I've seen it like a hundred million times. And like the shit that he does like as a teenager to get away with the things that he wants to, like that was totally me. I was like the worst kid ever. <laughs> 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 when it came to like doing what I wanted but like he doesn't mean to do what he's doing like to do it in a bad way it's just you know he's being funny and fun and this is what he wants to do instead of what the adults tell him to do and so that's why I like that one I like it good answer what about you uh mine is definitely the breakfast club oh yeah uh mostly because I've seen it like a billion times and it's just a good movie and it makes me laugh um I don't know that I can really relate to any of the one characters. I feel like there might be a little piece of me in each one. So maybe that's why I like it is because it's just got such a variety of people in it or characters, I should say. Um, and it's just funny because it's like stick it to the man kind of attitude that I have. But I'm also a role follower. Yeah. So... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then Amanda asked, and she is, is it at Ogles? Um, I don't know how to pronounce that. Ogles. Okay, so it's at O-L-G-A-N-E-W-G-L-E-S. I think her name is Amanda Ogles. Sorry if we butchered all that. Um, but she did ask yeah. us for water <laughs> water bottle recommendations for rabbits. And Bev doesn't have rabbits, um, but I don't know if she has any That's recommendations. Right. <laughs> zero. Zero recommendations. So I just get whatever is at Tractor Supply. Um, I try to get one that can hold a lot of water because I don't like to change it often. Um so that's kind of my default. I'm sorry, I don't know brand names, but they also have one at Tractor Supply, and it's the only one there that you can plug in to in and during the winter so your water bottle doesn't freeze if your rabbits are in the barn or outside or whatever um and I like live by that in the winter because like thawing rabbit water bottles is such a pain in the ass um so I pretty much go with the with that model and then I also have just like the what regular bottle with like the little ball that they nibble on or lick or whatever <laughs> which sounds really dirty um <laughs> to get the water to come out um and it's like white bottle blue pattern on it 
So sorry I'm not more helpful. Um, it You didn't mention that you have some leaking issues, so it just might be kind of a trial and error thing. I don't know. Maybe your rabbits are really aggressive and just really go at it with the water bottle. Um, <laughs> I don't know that I have that that issue necessarily, but my rabbits are also outside, um, so I might not just notice it. Oh, uh, yeah, that's a possibility. Sorry, I'm not more helpful. <laughs> I do have something that I can recommend if the leaking is coming from where the top screws on and not out of the ball. Mm. Uh, you can get some thread tape to put oh. on the threading of the bottle and then screw the top on if that's where the leaking's coming from. But I don't, I'm not sure where the leaking's coming from. But that came to mind immediately as a potential solution to a problem with the bottle if that's where it's leaking from. Good idea. Yeah, so that's all I got on that. All right. Well, um, we got two more questions from one person, and her Instagram handle is at Sticky Holler Farm. Um, first question, uh, this is a little broader than the 80s questions, but what are your favorite movies ever? Bev, do you have a favorite movie ever? So I do have a favorite movie ever, but I want to start by saying that this is my favorite movie ever right now. And it's not, like, for all of time. Okay, that's totally fair. (laughs) That's the only issue that I ever have with favorite questions, is I always feel like they can feel really constraining. Same. (laughs) Because I'm like, oh my gosh, what's something that, like, what's something I can say that people, you know, 20 years from now won't look back on and be like, what the hell is she talking about? (laughs) (laughs) Totally fair. So this is my favorite movie right now. And it has been for a really long time. So I feel like it's a relatively safe one. But my favorite movie is actually Love Actually. Oh, that is a good movie. I could watch that movie over and over again. And in fact, I watch it every Christmas and every uh, Valentine's Day. (laughs) I like it. And I also watched it on a plane once and I forgot about that couple that has like the weird porn thing going on with it. (laughs) And I was like, oh my God, I can't watch this on a plane. (laughs) I like it. That's so funny. (sighs) What about you? So I think I kind of have like the holiday-ish vibe too. Um, I like the, the movie The Holiday. It's got Cameron Diaz and Kate Winslet in it. And it's just, like, a cute, funny movie where they kind of, like, swap lives a little bit or swap houses and kind of live out each other's lives a little bit. And it's just, like, a good holiday one that, like, I can put on really any time of the year and be happy with it being in the background because it just makes you feel good. I'm going to have to watch that one. And who doesn't need more feel good? It's a good one. I think you'd like it. If you like Love Actually, you'll like that one. Oh, good. Good to know. I can add that to my list of things to watch when I need something to watch. Yes. Yeah, it was really weird being bedridden for five days last year because I don't watch TV or movies <laughs> like very often. I literally didn't know what to do. So I watched all four seasons of uh, Arrested Development. Oh, nice. <laughs> That's a good I was like, I really like that show. So there let's just watch all of this over again. <laughs> So, um, and at Sticky Holler Farm also asked, what other hobbies do you enjoy? Oh, um, I don't really have any other hobbies. I think uh, a wine tasting when I go to wineries. I like that. And I also like sitting on my butt and binge watching bad reality TV. 
Uh, so I think those are my two hobbies. So the farming one's definitely the uh, most more active farming uh, is the more active hobby there. So uh, yeah, the other ones are kind of more lazy. But what about you, Bev? So I was getting ready to say that I don't really have any other hobbies. Like I enjoy the farming stuff so much that almost all of my hobbies kind of center around it. Yes. You know, I like baking bread. I like spinning yarn, which uses like raw wool, which is kind of a farming thing. So you can own sheep. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I realized I really love being outside. So for a non-farming activity or hobby, I love to kayak and I really like hiking oh. when my body is allowing me to go hiking that is fair yeah you guys do that and take really fun pictures and it's really cool to see when you guys can take the kids and stuff too do they really enjoy it or are they just kind of along for the ride so aurora really loves it and in fact she learned how to paddleboard on saturday night so now she wants a paddleboard for her birthday yeah it's super cute Orion does not like kayaking. I think he's scared of it. (laughs) That's totally fair, though. That is fair. (laughs) It is. It's totally fair because it is a little terrifying to just like, you know, strap yourself into a boat (laughs) and go down a river not knowing or a creek not knowing what you're going to run into. (laughs) So I can't blame him there, but I don't know. I think it's fun. Well, yeah, that's all of our questions. Yeah, it sure is. Yeah. So if you have more questions for us. Um, you can always send those to us at drinkandfarm@gmail.com or DM them to us on Instagram and we'll start making another list. And once we have enough questions, maybe we'll do another one of these. And as always, you can send us your farm stories too. We like to read those at the end of our regular episodes. So email those to us at drinkandfarm@gmail.com. Yeah. And thanks for listening, guys. This was fun. I had a good time doing it. Um, It's nice to do something that feels a little different. Yeah. And we only cried just a little. (laughs) Just a little. Maybe the next one won't make us cry. Or maybe that's going to be the goal from now on. I don't know. Make each other cry. (laughs) Gut punch our listeners so they cry with us so we don't feel so alone. I kind of like that. That's kind of fun. Sorry. Guys. Yeah, it is kind of fun. I mean, it feels good to cry every now and then. Yeah. It just it feels very cleansing. So yeah. I've been doing a lot of cleansing lately, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> so drink. Farm. And, and give, give zero, zero plugs. plugs. <laughs> <laughs> Bye guys. <laughs> Bye. We drink things, we farm things. We drink and farm things.